1: how to Grow Your Business Just Like Amazon. And I'm super excited to have a very special guest with me, Steve Anderson. Let me tell you all about him. He's spent over 35 years shaping the insurance industry through a deeper understanding of emerging technologies and how businesses today can best integrate and leverage them. He is a sought-after speaker and influencer. He's been in over 50 states, and he's also the author of the widely anticipated book, which is almost live, The Bezos Letters, where he reveals 14 principles for business growth on the ideas and patterns that emerged when he examined his 21 annual letters to Amazon shareholders. He's here today to share some of the key insights he's discovered. Welcome, Steve. Thanks for sharing part of your day. What else do you want to add to that introduction? Maybe the book's live.
2: The book comes out live September 17th, so perhaps when this is uh, released, it will be available. But the ebook and the audio book are already available. So if you're interested, uh, feel free to go uh, track it down at your favorite bookstore online or off.
1: That's awesome. Well, we're super excited to hear from you. What actually inspired you to write this book about Amazon shareholder letters. Do you actually own the stock? Actually,
2: you know, the funny thing is, is we don't. <laughs> and and that's been a kind of an interesting thing along the way. But what really perked my interest was coming out of the insurance industry and really looking at technology and how rapidly technology is changing and developing and the risk associated to that for any business, whether they're in the insurance business or any other. And my premise became the biggest risk a business faces is not taking enough risk. And that thought And the research I started doing led me to Amazon. Amazon is widely known as a very innovative and inventive company. And I started asking the question, why are they known and how do they do that? That led me to the shareholder letters that Jeff Bezos has written starting in 1997 and now going through 2018. And I started reading a couple letters here and there. And I really sat back and went, wow, there is a ton of great information here, not just bragging about Amazon, but how Amazon works and how Bezos thinks. And so then I read through the 21 letters, literally in a couple of days, one narrative, and I discovered uh, that, you know what, there's some patterns here. And that's uh, what the book Uh, in essence, became. And the funny part of it is it started for me as a white paper. I was just going to give out to people as, here's some interesting stuff you need to know about. And I had a a few people that I trust say, no, this is a book. And uh, that's when I started getting serious about uh, delving in more into the stories of Amazon and how it's grown and how other businesses can learn from it.
1: So I would say Warren Buffett's letters are pretty popular as well. Why did you choose... Bezos over Buffett. Uh, you're right. There are actually
2: a, a handful of CEOs that have letters to shareholders that people pay attention to. I have read Buffett's letters, and I think part of the reason is I think Buffett now has over 40 letters that he's written to shareholders, and there's been a lot of analysis of those letters, but not of Bezos. And and Bezos is newer. Amazon is newer. It's uh, just celebrated its 25th year in business, and I couldn't find anything else like what I was doing, really explaining how Amazon grows and and what principles they use to grow. And that's why it attracted me.
1: That's cool. So I don't really know how Amazon changed, and I don't have your book yet, from being a bookseller to being like everything. How did that actually happen?
2: Bezos, from the very beginning had the plan to sell. I'm not sure he thought everything was as defined as it is today, but books were simply the first step. In 1995, he literally made a list of 20 items, books, music, other things that could be sold online. And he settled on books as the first out of the gate store because one book is exactly the same as another book. So if I go to a bookstore in Nashville and you go to a bookstore where you are, the book is exactly the same. And because of the internet, he could literally have a bookshelf with a million books on it, not 150,000 books, which was the largest bookstore at the time. And so that wide selection Pricing and delivery became the core of what built Amazon, and then he started adding other things, music, and literally for the next you know twenty plus years, more and more and more, and now known as the everything everything store, as you said.
1: Yeah, it's so cool. I came up through IBM doing business intelligence, and now big data has really allowed companies to shift quickly. So he took. It sounds like he jumped on the big data bandwagon as well and grew his company that way. Did you find that in some of his letters?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it really came to the forefront. So w- one of the 14 principles I talk about is measure what matters, question what's measured, and trust your gut. So Amazon, well known as an analytics company. I mean, they measure every single thing and have tracking and all those things. But the principle here is you don't just rely on what's measured, you question what's measured. And the way he does that is in one of his letters, he actually published his email address at Amazon. It's still live. You can still send an email to jeff at amazon.com. He doesn't look at them anymore, but he has a team that does. And if he discovers that there's a trend, even three, four, five emails that's indicating a similar issue or problem or question, he'll send that email off to the head of that division with just simply a question mark. And that question mark is, what are we missing? Are we measuring the right thing? And as he says, anecdotal information is really important, especially when you rely on analytics so much. And then the trust your gut is... Sometimes you just don't have the data that you might want, and you need to make a decision to move forward. There were several like that. Amazon Marketplace, their third-party platform, was a decision that they made that was extremely risky. And a lot of senior leaders at Amazon at the time didn't want to do it. But Bezos said, you know what? I have a gut feeling that this is going to work because it's better for the customer.
1: That's really cool. So did you actually, I'm sure he knows you wrote this book, right? Did you get to meet him? I
2: have not met him yet. That's uh, something I hope that comes out of this book. And, you know, Nancy, part of it is I, I have never worked at Amazon. I don't have any insider information. I have done an extensive amount of research. I have, to my knowledge, listened to virtually every interview that he's done. And so I come at it from an outsider saying, what can I learn? And and I think that's what I bring. It's it's almost Bezos is the guide for how Amazon has done it, and then I've spent the time and effort to research what Bezos has said to make it approachable to virtually any business owner.
1: That's cool. Well, I know there's 14 principles in your book. You shared one. Do you want to share a couple more on how people can actually focus with those principles on growing their company?
2: Yeah, I think there are a couple and and that are maybe stand out a little bit more. I, and I also say that there's 14 for a reason. So no principle stands on its own by itself, but they all interact with each other. But a couple seem to be of more interest. And so I break the 14 down into what I call four cycles. And it really is four growth cycles. So test, build, accelerate, and scale. And I believe every business, no matter if they're a startup or a huge multinational business, go through these cycles, either as the business themselves, as department, as you know, product lines, et cetera. So in the test area, the first principle is encourage successful failure. Now, people just look at me kind of strangely when what I, they ask, well, how can a failure be successful? It's a failure. And at Amazon, in fact, Bezos says in one of his letters, I believe Amazon is the best place for an employee to fail because it's through failure, through experimentation, through testing that you learn what works and what doesn't work. And too many companies, I might say most, punish failure in their employee. It's a career ending move or certainly a bump in the road versus celebrating failure. I always have to pause here and in the same breath, try and say, that doesn't mean you're incompetent. In fact, Amazon is intolerant of incompetence. You are expected to always bring your best. And if you bring your best, they know it's not always going to work. And what can you learn from it and move forward?
1: Wow, that's pretty insightful. So I heard some interesting things about their culture besides that failure is a good thing. Something about they can't use PowerPoints and they have pizza at meetings. What's that all
2: about? (laughs) Yeah, those are some fun things. And and actually, they're tools that Amazon uses uh, and actually in the successful failure idea. So So first, no PowerPoint. PowerPoint keynote, any slide-oriented presentation is banned at Amazon worldwide. What they do instead is what they call a six-page memo. Sometimes it's called a six-page narrative. So if I, as a product leader, call a meeting because I want to get approval for introducing a new product, I and my team are responsible for writing a maximum of six page narrative. And the narrative typically starts with a press release that is sent out on the day the product is released. It's also FAQ, what are common questions. It also is the manual. How is this going to work? And it's focused on how is this better for our customer? And that memo is not sent out to the participants in the meeting beforehand. They show up at the meeting and it's handed out to them and they spend the first 10 to 30 minutes together like a study hall reading the memo because Bezos says again in his letters the reality is people say they read it but they don't and so we spend that time it's it's the idea of slow down to speed up right we spend that time to make sure everybody's on the same page literally and so you don't ask questions that's you know that actually says that you never read the memo beforehand and then they can have a deeper discussion and move quicker to a decision. That's cool. And
1: they do that with pizza? Well, so yeah, the
2: the two pizza team is the idea that a team is only made up of enough people that two pizzas can feed. And, And so the idea there is small teams move faster and make better decisions. That's so and, cool. <laughs> and, and by the way, that might mean for a big project, you have 200 teams. And every team is tasked with a particular decision, a part of the process of bringing that new product or service to fruition, but they are responsible for the decisions and for the consequences. Really, if it doesn't work, they're also responsible. It's also a fascinating way to train upcoming leaders because they can lead that small team. They have authority to go wherever they need in the organization to get the resources they need to solve the issue. problem, whatever their focus is. So there's some subtle aspects to that. It's not just about the size of the team.
1: That's cool. What was your favorite part about writing this book?
2: That's an interesting question. To say the phrase I use right now is, you know, when people ask, you know, did you enjoy writing the book? And I I come back with, I enjoyed having written a book. (laughs) But I think it was realizing how much wisdom, if I can say that, business wisdom that Bezos has freely given out. I mean, and it... I call it hidden in plain sight in his letters. I have yet to find anybody who's read all the letters. They may, I'm sure they're out there. A lot of people have read kind of individual letters because typically when they're released, you know, there's articles written about this letter or that letter. But I believe there's this whole narrative that if you flow through the 21 years, you discover a lot. And I think that was what was fun. As I started talking to some people about it, they started resonating with what I was discovering. And, you know, that's fun. As you know, when you're in your consulting career, when you have an idea and you kind of see that light in somebody's eyes going, oh, I get it now. That could really help us. That's gratifying.
1: That's cool. The reason I ask is I've written three books and by the, I have one I still haven't launched because I just got so tired of like editing it. And did you have those feelings when you're writing a book? Oh
2: like- my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, and here's another wrinkle, Nancy. My wife has been in the book publishing business for 25 years and is a amazing book strategist and editor editor. So we actually wrote this together and uh, we celebrated our 44th wedding anniversary just a few weeks ago. And I think we're going to make it to 45. (laughs) And uh, for me, that I almost was the only reason I could write this book is is with her help because she is a fabulous editor. and people always ask, you know how 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 can you write a book with your wife? And I said, it's really easy. I trust her implicitly when it comes to this. and it's just hard writing a book you if you've written you know two and working on a third, you you know that and and for me, kind of you know, and I know you like, and I'd, I love productivity tips and things. For me, the, the way I was able to get through that is I had a goal for, and still have it actually, but to write 500 words every weekday. And I've had that goal now for probably three years. And so I do a lot of article writing and some other things. But for the book, focusing on that and then focusing, keeping me focused when you get in what I call the messy middle, which is like you just said, am I crazy to keep doing this? And is this going to work? Is this going to help anybody? Am I just wasting my time? You know, but focusing on that uh, and the potential impact is, is certainly what kept me going.
1: That's so cool. And you also speak, you've been in, I think you told me, all 50 states. Is that right? Yes. So That's really I, cool. What are your topics? So
2: I've been really spent the last 20 plus years doing consulting, but primarily research, writing, and speaking around emerging technologies and its impact on the insurance industry. Uh, And my niche has been the distribution system, so insurance agents and brokers. And it's been fascinating to me. I mean, even if you think about things like driverless vehicles, autonomous vehicles, well, that's going to have a huge impact on the insurance industry if there are no more accidents and people don't need car insurance anymore. Or if you look at manufacturing using 3D printing and there's a product that injures somebody, what are the insurance implications of that? And so that's actually been fun for me. And what ended up happening is my lens for looking at Bezos was through risk. And I believe pretty strongly now that there's a correlation between risk and growth. Uh, In fact, I call Bezos in the book the master of risk because he has learned how to use risk strategically to grow. And so for me, that was sort of a a unique combination there.
1: That's cool. Yeah, most people are probably not looking at Amazon from the risk lens. They're looking at it, how do they grow and scale and become the giant? So that's a great twist. Very cool. Hey, before we ask, I ask you the signature question everybody gets on the show. Can you tell one more time the the full title of the book and where people can find it?
2: Sure. So the title is called The Bezos Letters, 14 Principles to Grow Your Business Like Amazon. And it is available online or at your local bookstore September 17th and, and after. And if you want uh, more information about it, you can always go to thebezosletters.com and actually slash Nancy Gaines. And there's a page there for your readers uh, or excuse me, your listeners to uh, to get some additional information. Perfect
1: and is it only in english cuz we we are in over 90 countries
2: well i'm i'm thrilled to be able to say that so far it is the, the rights to translate the book into seven languages have already been purchased. So uh, Korea, Japan, Taiwan, uh, Indonesia, Russia, uh, India, uh, and Vietnam. And, wow, uh,
1: congratulations. That's a huge yeah, accomplishment. It is
2: a, It is shocking on my part. It, and it represents the largest foreign rights for my publisher that they've ever had. Wow, oh,
1: that's so cool. Wow, yeah. I will definitely put that link in the show notes and mention that it's in many different languages. Are you ready for the question, Steve? I I am. Okay. If you, I love giving people back their time. In fact, I had a guest the other day who says, what I do is I manufacture time for people. Isn't that cool?
2: That is very cool. I love that. Yeah,
1: she's brilliant. So if you had one more hour in your day, 25 hours every day, how would you spend that extra hour?
2: That's a great question. And uh, I would have to say what immediately comes to mind is reading. I believe good <laughs> that leaders... That makes
1: sense you're an author, huh? <laughs> well,
2: I, yeah, but I've always been a reader. And I just think that's how you expand your mind. Uh, and as a leader of a business or any type of organization, if you're not learning, you're not going to be able to lead better. So, And, and business books and other kinds of... Books. I, I just think being able to expand your knowledge and your experience through what others have done uh, is a, a great use of time.
1: That's a perfect answer. I just finished reading the One Thing by Gary Keller, oh, who's yes. Keller Williams. Yep. Oh my God! He was like talking my language only so much better, and I'm like, I could use some <laughs> of this stuff on my website.
2: Yep. Yep. And, and there, and again, there are lots of books out there. And you know what, I even give myself permission if, you know, uh, if a book isn't resonating with me, I don't have to finish it. I can put it aside because I want to get to those that I, I think can help me improve myself and what I do for others.
1: That's an interesting rule. I used to think I had to read something cover to cover too, but if it's not resonating, I'll kind of skim it faster. And, and I might still skim read it,
2: it faster, yep, exactly. Yeah. And try and make sure I'm I'm getting everything out of it I can. And, you know, if it's just not resonating with me, that's okay. I, I yeah. give myself permission.
1: That's a really good role. So besides your book, is there any other place you'd like to say where people can connect with you, like your website or your LinkedIn that you'd like to share?
2: Sure. So my main website is steveanderson.com. Uh, and uh, it, it is a bit more insurance focused because that's what I've been working on for a number of years. And then I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, you actually should be able to type in Steve Anderson. I am Actually, long story, but was included in the original LinkedIn influencers group of 150 about, I guess, about five years ago now. And uh, so LinkedIn is a primary platform and I interact a lot there.
1: I can't believe you actually got your domain name. I know.
2: Isn't that amazing? I actually registered it in 1996.
1: Yeah, so you must have very good foresight because I had to wait for somebody I had Nancy L. Gaines and then all of a sudden Nancy Gaines came up and I snagged that thing. Oh, <laughs> abso-
2: oh you betcha. Yes. I, <laughs> but I your have, name- actually actually my so you'll appreciate this if I can quick story. I sure. I this was, you know, early in the internet. This was in the, in the late nineties. And so I looked up my name and Steve Anderson was available and I didn't grab it because I thought, Oh, you know, I can I have a little time. I went back and somebody else had gotten it and so then I did all like you said, you know, trying to figure at the other names and then probably a month later I went back and decided to search my name again and it was available and I immediately put money down and and I think for ten years actually at the time.
1: (laughs) I think I did ten or twenty as um, yes, well. Because exactly. you never know. You just
2: grab it, you know. <laughs> grab it when it's there.
1: That's awesome. Very cool. Is there anything else you want to mention that I didn't even think to ask you? Oh, I
2: don't think so, Nancy. It's I, I've really enjoyed the conversation, and I, I I would say if people read the book, if they happen, to, if they want to get it, and I'd love uh, feedback. You know, to tell me what you liked and what I missed, because you know what, it my goal is to help people think differently about what growth looks like for their business.
1: Yeah, that's so. this is a really fun episode. I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show.
2: No, it's my pleasure.
1: Listeners, I just rolled out a new program for business owners looking to systemize their companies in 30 days or less. This is hands-on stuff, not just theory. So if you're feeling overwhelmed and overworked, let's get together side by side and put some systems and processes in place. You can find more at nancygaines.com. And if you love this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes so other people can find it. And until next time, go out and gain the advantage.
0: You've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show, where you can gain the advantage. To schedule a VIP strategy day or speed consulting session with Nancy, connect with her on her website, nancygames.com. That's Nancy, G-A-I-N-E-S, dot com. On Twitter, Nancy L. Gaines and on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.